Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Let's read 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 10. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It helps me convey this message. It says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negevi and Ziglag. The Amalekites had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept. They wept until they could weep no more. David, two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter, underlying bitter, bitter. They were bitter, bitter, bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So, so Abathar brought the ephod. Then David asked the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He prayed. Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? I can feel the emotion of the text even as I read even more today. I can see David said, God is a 911 and I don't really have the energy to fight and lose. Anybody ever been there? Did you been... David praying to God and say, God, I need to know if there's victory through this way. I don't have the energy to take another letdown. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to be disappointed right now. He prays in a way, God, shall I pursue? Will I overcome them? If I chase them, will I win? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, responded, yes, go after them. You will surely recover all. Everything that was taken from you, everything you lost, David, everything you've been through, everything that the Amalekites took and raided from you, everything you lost, you will recover all. So David and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook of Besor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted, underline too exhausted exhausted to cross the brook so David continued to the pursuit with 400 men we thank you for the word today we thank you for what you're sharing with us we give your name praise and glory in Christ's name we pray amen I want to teach from the subject still the series don't come down but my thought today is stay with Christ he will bring you through put it on the timeline stay with Christ things happen storms come life happens put that in the timeline life happens but stay with Christ he will bring you through thank you sir on last week we began to talk about this great story in 1 Samuel 30 is a wonderful story of a comeback my focus on last week to get you to see it mostly from David's point of view I skipped over some other points 
in this same story so that I would not miss what I want to talk about from a David's perspective. On last week, my focus was to show you that David went through the same things the people in his band went through, his captains went through, his, his army went through. And I wanted to show you that David pulled himself out of a stupor. He pulled himself out of a low place. He did it first by encouraging himself. He encouraged himself. And I believe we got to learn how to encourage our own selves. David encouraged himself. And I believe sometimes one of the ways you encourage yourself is sometimes you look backwards. It's called retrospective. You look backwards. It's not always about looking forward. I'll talk about that. But you look backwards to look at what God has already brought you through. Sometimes you keep yourself in the game, in the fight, not by just looking forward, because sometimes looking forward don't look good, especially if you're going through something that's making you think that tomorrow will not be a blessing, especially if you're going through something that makes you feel that tomorrow is doom and gloom and there is not goodness for you and a turnaround for you. But I challenge you to encourage yourself like David did. One of the ways to encourage yourself is to look backwards. Retrospective. David is able to encourage himself and one of the ways to do so is to look back. It means that you're here today right where you are because God has been good to you. There's no way you are sustaining life. There's no way you've made it through all the trials, the transitions, the crossroads, the time where things were bleak and dark if God had not been there for you. There's a psalm that says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up by our enemies. We'd have been caught in the snare of the fowler. It goes through a, a series of testimonies that we would have been drowned by our enemies. We would have been overwhelmed that psalms. If it had not been for the Lord, I want to remind you that you're even here today, alive, made it through all types a danger seen and unseen is because God was not only with you now but he was with you then it's the God of your past it's the God who's been faithful through the years it's the God who brought you through your childhood it's the God who brought you through your treacherous your treacherous teenage years it's the God who brought you through your young adult years it's the God who's still with you even in your senior years it's that same God who was with you long time ago that if you look back over your life you can say if it had not been for God if God wasn't with me I know I would have gave up if God wasn't with my family I know we would have never made it through that hardship I know I know I was about to commit suicide I know I was about to walk away from my family I know I was about to quit my job I know I was about to quit living for God and doing what's right I I know if it wasn't for God on my side, I believe you encourage
encourage yourself by looking back and this morning I want to challenge you to take a look over the steps of your life when you went through some of the darkest moments I dare you to look back and if you look back you will see God you will see that God preserved you you will see that God was faithful or you will see that God helped you when you didn't know how to help yourself you will see God was good to you even in your past and I believe you can look backwards and get encouraged David encouraged himself and so sometimes you look backwards and sometimes you also look forward and sometimes you also look inward to see that God has been good to you David encourages himself David then goes into prayer has that relationship with Abathar the priest he grabs the ephod which is a priestly garment and David begins to pray and so last week I began to share with you from the same text that there are prizes in your problems I begin to share with you so you won't quit in your problems there are prizes if you stay in uh, your problems God will show you there are things to win by what you go through because sometimes when you're going through you don't think there's any benefit to what you're going through but God and his goodness will bring prizes out of your problems I begin to show you that David took a New Testament principle in the Old Testament. The fact that David told the priests, I'm going to pray to God for myself is a New Testament principle. In the Old Testament, the way that people got reconciled back to God was through the office of the priests. The priests would go before God and make sacrifices with the lamb that had the blood of a lamb that was without spot or wrinkle. And the priest's office was so instrumental in the Old Testament that, that people depended on a represent, representative to go before God so that any issue they had would be remedied. Even if a person had a disease, the priest, even in the Old Testament, almost was like a doctor. While the priest could not heal them, the priest was designed to declare if they were healed. Y'all remember the story. Let me give you an example. Y'all remember the story when Jesus walks up on a leprous colony and there are 10 lepers men and he tells them he says hey go show yourself to the priest and as they went the Bible declared they were healed he told them to go to the priest because the priest was the one who could declare if they were healed or not so the office of the priest was always very instrumental to our breakthrough especially in the Old Testament but in this Old Testament David takes a big leap forward to the New Testament and says I'm going to practice the priesthood myself give me the ephod I'm in a situation that I'm not going to depend on the priest to articulate my desires I want to ensure that I can talk to God for myself that the priest don't get it mixed up what I'm asking I'm going to take responsibility over my trial I'm going to take responsibility over my trouble I'm going to take the lead over my emotions and I'm going to pray myself give me this ephod and I'm going to have an encounter with prayer through God I will not be cheated in my trouble I will 
will not be cheated in my problem. What's the cheat? The cheat is to allow somebody else to hear God for you. He says, I will not be cheated in this season. I'm going to have an encounter with God myself and I'm going to know what God's will is for me. And I don't know about you, but this is a big thing to be under pressure. This is a big thing to feel like people want to kill you, stone you, walk away from you. Can you imagine David being depleted right now? But he says, I got a little bit left. And with the little bit that I still got left, I'm going to learn how to pray right where I am. I'm not going to pass it off to a brother or pass it off to a sister. But Christ, help me to pray right now. And he gets the ephod and he acts as a priest. That's New Testament principle. And you and I, because we have given our life to Christ, we can now pray to God ourselves. We don't have to wait till Sunday morning. We don't have to wait the Sunday morning for any pastor or leader to pray for us. While we can and we're ready to pray for you, I want you to know you already have the advantage. Tell your neighbor you got the advantage. Uh, through Christ, you have, so you already got the advantage. You live in the advantage. You live with the advantage. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You live with the advantage. You can wake up at 2 a.m. and pray. You can wake up at 8 a.m. and pray. You ain't got to get to the front door of the church and see that service starts at 10. And you have to wait till prayer starts at 11. No, 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 no. You have the advantage. You can pray to God whenever you feel like it. You can pray in the grocery store. You can pray on the phone with a friend. You can pray while you're driving, but just keep your eyes open. You can pray no matter where you are. There is no limitation or no distance in prayer and, and prayer will go everywhere we can pray for somebody right now in Chicago they don't even have to be here in Tallahassee prayer is so powerful you don't even have to be present in the vicinity of the person who's praying once you get in the presence of God you become like a priest and you can talk with God directly and I'm pushing some of you this morning because David is an example not to give up when you feel like giving up and so I want you to understand say don't give up your position don't give up your advantage I want you to know you have an advantage even though you're going through that advantage is the office of the priesthood and you can pray right now now that sounds small uh, to some who are feeling fine but for those who feel overwhelmed to tell them that they can pray right now seems like Pastor Joe you're not being sensitive you're not being comforting, but I, I can't rob you of a truth, although you're facing great challenges. I, I dare not rob you. I dare not rob you of the truth that you can pray right now. You may be facing dilemmas, but I still got to tell you the truth that you can pray right now. You have access. You have this advantage. And David shows us that if we use our advantage... God can speak to us. And I showed you that because I wanted to focus on David as the example that you can come through. The reason I have to set this pace is all because I said that on last week and all because I'm saying it right now, it doesn't mean people are not stuck. There are people who are still stuck in what they're going through. 
There are people who are still stuck in their emotion, stuck in what they face. They're stuck because of what they lost. They lost a loved one. They lost a friend. They lost a mother. They lost a father. They lost a close brother. They lost a close friend. There are people right now, even as I'm talking and inspiring. And so God told me to go back. He says, Pastor Joe, I want you to slow down this morning. Go back. Teach. Preach. Give me, I'm going to give you some different things. But I want you to slow down for those who are stuck. But I had to give you an example that you could become unstuck. David is the example that there is a way out of the pain. There is a way out. So I wanted to give you an example first last week, an example, because if you don't know that there is an example of overcoming, you will feel like you can't overcome. So one of the ways we begin to realize or have actualization of a future is the fact that someone else has been through similar circumstances and come out of it. David is an example to us that you can go through pain and overcome pain. David is that example. And those who are stuck this morning, those who are still reeling and dealing, I want to encourage you to, uh, to pay attention to the example of David. I want you to pay attention to the example of David because I recognize everyone is not ready to move forward. Everyone is not healed. There are people who are tired. There are people who are just flat out exhausted. There are people who are frustrated. There are people who are bitter. There are people who are angry. They're angry. They're angry at God. Sometimes when you're going through loss, going through pain, your faith seems to get confused. If God is so good, why did this happen? If God is so sovereign, why did this happen? And sometimes our faith gets confused in life's journey. Sometimes because of our faith, because of our faith, because of our purity of faith, we will want God to answer all our prayers. And I have a harsh but a real reality to what it is to really live by faith. When we pray and we live by faith, the reality is when we pray, God hears us. That's the truth. But what faith is and prayer is, it is not hocus pocus. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not putting God on a string like a puppet. Prayer doesn't force God to do anything that's not in his will. When you pray, you activate faith. And the Bible says without faith, we cannot please God. And so faith helps us please God. So when you pray, when you believe God, when you ask God for something in your sincerity, it pleases him. When you say, God, I need you to touch my mother and God, I need you to touch my father. God, I need you to heal my sister. When you pray, your very act of prayer pleases God. The fact that you trust him, the fact that you lean on him, the fact that you believe his word, the fact that you believe that he can do it pleases him. But there's nothing about faith and prayer that is magic or make everything mandatory. The Bible says with faith, faith makes things possible. Say faith makes things possible. 
impossible. The scripture says with men things are, are impossible, but with God all things are Come on, I need you to say it. With God, all things are possible. And many times faith gets confused because we miss that faith activates possibilities. It doesn't activate mandatoriness. It doesn't activate, activate. No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. No, no, I have to teach you that. Because if not, every time you pray, you will think it's going to go your way every time you pray but you're still doing the right thing when you pray you're still pleasing God when you pray you're still honoring God when you pray but our prayers don't control the every outcome our prayers don't do that and sometimes people are stuck because they sincerely pray to God but it didn't happen the way they prayed they asked God to do it, but it didn't happen. They asked God that their mama wouldn't pass away, but it didn't happen. They asked God that it wouldn't, that this wouldn't happen, but it didn't happen. And sometimes, if you don't understand how our faith is really to be built, many times you will get so disappointed with things in life that you're actually angry with God. And there are people who are angry with God. They're upset with God. I can even imagine these men who have followed David saying, I thought y'all was telling me that the grace was on David, that the anointing was on David, that David was a righteous leader. How can he be a righteous leader and while we out there fighting in the battle, we lose everything. How can I be faithful in the things of God and still lose my husband? How can I be faithful to God in church and still lose some things? How can I be faithful to God giving my tithe and I'm still dealing with a blood disorder? How could this thing happen? The truth of the matter is even while we love God it doesn't exempt us from life it doesn't exempt us from hardship it doesn't exempt us from pain but the good news can I give you good news can I I got to give it to you I can't wait no longer the good news is while you're in it he's with you while you're going through it he'll walk with you while you're going through the pain he'll hold you while you're going through the loss he'll talk to you I got to give you the good news while we're not exempt from the thing he will come in and walk with us. Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I don't have to fear no evil because you are with me. You're with me when I'm confused. You're with me when I'm angry. You're with me when I'm upset. You're with me when I'm bitter. The good news is we are not alone. God is with us. He is with us. He is with us. While you're tired, he's with you. While you're frustrated, he's with you. While you're bitter, he's with you. While you're feeling guilty, because sometimes in circumstances, you feel so guilty. You start saying, if I would have done this, it wouldn't happen. If I would have just called my sister yesterday, it wouldn't happen. And sometimes we make ourselves like we're God. We act like we got all power in our hands. You know, we, we act like we've done a few good things through God and we have some victories. And God has rewarded us for our obedience. But sometimes we start feeling that we could prevent everything. Or we start feeling like we're the cause of everything. And we start walking in guilt. And when you start walking and being guilty, you start feeling conscious and condemnation comes on you. And you lose your self-worth. And you lose your value. 
and you don't feel like you're worth another day, another future. You don't worth, feel like you're worth being a good husband, a good wife anymore, a good child anymore. And you seem to lose the definition of who you really are. I believe this morning, I, I want to put my focus on the people who were not ready. The Bible says after David told him, go after him, we're going to recover everything. Everything the enemy stole, but it tells us. So David and 600 men set out and they came to the brook of Besor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. Everybody wasn't ready for what God is doing. I believe we're in a season where God is doing miracles. But there's people whose faith is shattered that ain't. They don't even believe that anything good can come out of this. There are people who are still stuck in something that happened five years ago. Their emotion are, is overwhelmed by what they had to experience in life. There are 200 people who are not ready. They're too exhausted. But, but David recognizes the best thing I can do for you. Whilst 400 of the 600 goes to fight, 200 he leaves by the brook of Besor. The brook of Besor means good news. It means a place of cheerfulness. So the base, what he does, he said, you all stay by the stream. You all stay by good news. And what people are going through tough times and feeling low and feeling guilty and feeling frustrated and depression is trying to overwhelm you and oppression of different things are trying to uh, take over your good thoughts in your mind. You can't even complete good sentences. You can't complete your plans. You're off focus. You can't complete school. You can't ex your exams. You can't, you can't center your focus. You're all shattered brain and scattered brain. But, but, but David says, I'm going to give you some good news. I'm going to leave you right here by the brook of Besor. The brook of Besor means the word of God. The word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The word of God will comfort you while you're going through the hardest times of your life. The word of God will strengthen you knowing that the Lord is your light and the Lord is the light of your salvation and knowing that the Lord is your shepherd and knowing that Christ is your redeemer. It will comfort you during the most painful times of your life. And what, it, what David basically says to the 200 people who are too exhausted, he says, I'm going to leave you in Bible study. I'm going to take you to Sunday school. I'm going to put you in women's group. I'm going to put you in men's fellowship. I'm going to put you in an environment where the streams water your soul. Because right now, you don't have the strength for another fight, but you need to be replenished. What, what I want to pause to, to make sure I'm capturing in this message is that you have value. You have so much value, David, don't even get rid of the 200, 200 people that cannot go fight. I want to pause. Because sometimes when you're not at your best, if you listen to the wrong people, they'll tell you you don't have value for tomorrow. They'll tell you that you're, you're, because you're weak today, you're going to be weak tomorrow. But David does something different. He's strategic. He tells the 200 people who are tired, frustrated, bitter, feeling condemned, all kinds of different emotions. He says, you're good tomorrow. But our plan today is to get you into the word. Our plan today is to get you into the good news of God. That's how we're going to build you up. That's how we're going to sustain your future. And if you're not careful, there are people who will throw you away today 
because you're not at your best. If you hang around the wrong people, they will come and pronounce a sentence over your life while you're going through pain, while you're good. No, I'm not myself. I just lost my mother. No, they're not their self. They just lost their best friend. People need time to recover. People need time to resurge again. People need time to heal. And David puts them in the word of God because nothing can heal you like the presence of God. Nothing can minister to your faith like the presence of God. Nothing can heal your heart. Nothing can speak to you like you need to be spoken to like the word of God. And David says the answer is the word. The answer ain't another fight. The answer is not another job. The answer is not another project. Because some people feel like if I just get another job, if I just get another wife, if I just get another husband, no, 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 no. Before you run off and get another thing, stop and get back in the word. Stop and get back into prayer. Stop and get before God. Let me slow this down. Because what I want to do, I don't want you to come before God and not be the broken self you are. We got too many people who have developed a false faith. It's a faith that is different than where you are. It's a false faith. It's not a faith that represents really how you feel, what you're going through. In other words, it's a faith that's so false, when you pray to God, you're dishonest. When you pray to God, you're so busy trying to make it seem like you're up to par that you're actually cheating yourself from the resource that God can provide to you if you're honest. And rather than coming and praying to God and telling God, God, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. We get caught up in church cliches and talking about I'm blessed and highly favored. But the truth of the matter is, you don't feel blessed and highly favored. You feel lost. You feel disgusted. You feel that you feel rejected. You feel abandoned. Yes, the word declares you're highly favored. You got to keep that. But we can go into an intimate time of prayer with God that we don't have to fake. We don't have to be hypocritical. We can say, God, I'm hurting right now. God, I don't feel like doing anything. God, I don't feel like going to church. See, we think prayer is not a place where feelings can be conveyed. We feel like prayer. And let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer is actually a filtering system. Prayer is actually a filtering process. But you can never be filtered if you don't come in with what you have. If you come in with a false faith, trying to make it seem like you always happy and full of joy, God is basically can see all, know all. He's looking at you and say, no, you've been depressed for three days. Won't you come in my presence and talk to me about your depression? Won't you come? You've been bitter with me. You ain't, I already know. Won't you come to me? And so what David does, he says, listen, he said, I don't need the 200 of you to fake like you got more strength than you do. I know it's a season of great things, but one of the things I can't stand in my relationship and even in my pastoralship as a shepherd, I don't like fake people. 
And what I mean by that, if you're in sin, if you're in wrong, if you're not doing good, I'd rather be able to know where you are so we can deal with where you are and be blessed and move on. But ain't no sense to making me think that you're somewhere that you're not. Because what it does, it makes me as a leader not supply you with what you need. See, if I knew you was in that situation, then I can do, potentially do what I can do to help you in that situation. But if you act like you're someone else, and so what I mean by being fake, I mean being dishonest. The truth of the matter, many of us haven't found a place of healthy vulnerability. I said healthy vulnerability. Where you can disrobe yourself in an environment where healing is. See, when you go to the doctor, one of the things you're going to have to do to help the physician who studied and got a medical degree, is you're gonna have to tell him where you hurt. Now you can go to that doctor, like some of us do God, although he can find out and although he knows, right? We go to the doctor, you went to the doctor and went in there and say, doctor, I'm hurt. He said, okay, well, where you hurt? Find it. Find it, you a doctor, find it. At that moment, you have just wasted the time of the doctor. Because while he's searching, doing x-rays, they do these things when they can't pinpoint, they'll take you through a more exhaustive measures to find it. But the first part starts with you confessing where you are. And the, the moment you keep wasting time having healthy vulnerability, he's doing all types of things trying to find out what's going on with you. And it's no game. He's trying to help you get well quicker, sooner, better faster all right and take you through your healing process and many of us have developed a faith relationship that we're not healthy and vulnerable and we're dishonest and so we come to god we come to god's leaders pastors leaders other friends and we're dishonest david says look i'm gonna leave y'all by the brook thank you for telling me thank you for telling me you can't go fight with us thank you for telling me Thank you for being honest. Sometimes we don't value when people be honest. See, we want people always to do what we want them to do. See, imagine if David was the type of leader that people didn't have a voice of honesty. Imagine, imagine that environment. Imagine that type of environment where these people, these 200 people, can't be honest with David and say, David, we love you, but we can't go. David, we love you, but we can't go fight. Imagine that in a home where a child can't be honest, where they can't tell their parent what's really going on with them. Imagine a home. I've tried my best um, to my children, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they face, no matter what ups and downs, no matter how much I teach and preach, that there'll never be a place in my home that we can't talk and we can't hear you, even if we're disappointed. That's what we told our kids. Even if we're disappointed, we want to know. We want to know what's going on in your life. Even if you're doing some things that we're displeased of, we want to know because we can help you. We don't want you to think, yeah, we may be upset. Yeah, there may be some consequences but guess what we're going to love you and we're going to support you and we're going to do all we can to push you out of it because the worst thing to have when people are hurting is in an atmosphere where they can't talk an atmosphere where they can't be honest and let me tell you something even when people are honest they, they are not always right I'm not saying you got to be honest and right sometimes people are honest and wrong sometimes their perspective about things are off but allow them to confess even where they are 
are because it becomes a starting point to help guide them through where they're going. Imagine if David was that type of leader that people couldn't be honest. What would have happened? They would have said, David, we're ready to fight. What would have happened? They would have faked it. They would have said, David, we're ready. We're ready to go. Oh, David, we're ready to go. Let's go get our enemy. And what would have happened? They would have got in battle. And when David went to depend on the 200 men, the 200 men would have let David down. Not only let David down, they would have let everyone else down because they were too weak to fight. And what would the enemy have done? If you know enemy, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me teach you. If you know anything about, I watch a little bit of Animal Planet. And what the tiger does while the wildebeest is running through the canyons, the lion hides behind a bush and he just don't go out there and pick on everything running by him. He's gazing and he's watching and he's waiting to find one who either don't run with the crowd. He's so afraid of his season and what's going on, he don't run with the crowd because there's strength in the crowd. There's strength in the group. But he won't run with the group. He gets so scared. While the group is running this way, he runs that way. The lions say, oh, that's the one I want. I want the one that breaks the breaks unity. I want the one who don't trust nobody when they're going through. I want that one because he's an easy prey to get. I ain't got to worry about anything because I can easily deal with him in the open plain because he went away from the group. That's one that he easily goes after, the one that strays away from his help. Because see, there's strength even in numbers. And so the lion says, I'll get that one. Or I'm waiting for the weak one. I'm waiting for the injured one. I'm waiting for the one who's injured and I'm going to get me some easy food. I'm not about to use all my strength fighting this big old 1,000 pound wildebeest who's strong and if I have to fight him I may die. If my help don't come, he may kill me. No, no, no. I'm going to get fed on somebody who's weak. And let me tell you something. That's why you have to be honest. See, if David would have went to war with these dishonest 200 people the enemy would have said, we're going to get them. And know what they could have did? They could have changed the whole strategy of the warfare. Took 200 men hostage and said, David, back up. We got 200 of your men. Because they had the nerve to not be dishonest and come to battle. While they were weak, now we got 200 of your men. And we're telling you to back your troops up. If you don't back your troops up, 200 men. Hour by hour, we're going to get rid of them. See, they become an easy prey to make the enemy negotiate and lose the victory. That's why you can't afford not to be dishonest with your family. You can't be this uh, with people who love you. you. And I'm not talking about, hear me clearly when I talk about this healthy vulnerability. Don't disrobe to the wrong people. Don't disrobe the people you know who don't love you, who don't care for you, who don't fight for you. Who don't support you through the thick of thin? That, that don't make any sense to do that. Ain't no sense of going to somebody who's not a doctor, disrobing yourself and saying my knee hurt. For what? They don't have the solutions. They don't have the education. They don't have the strength. But David teaches these people in this moment, I, I, and I want to say it this way so you can hear me. He, the way he responds to their pain, he says, I love you today. And I love you tomorrow. I love you today 
because I'm not going to try to pressure you to go fight with me. I'm also loving you tomorrow by putting you at the brook of Basor. Because the moment you're at the brook of Basor, guess what? Your strength is going to come back. Guess what? Your vigor is going to come back. Guess what? Your drive is going to come back. And I'm telling somebody who's listening to me to this morning, who's discouraged, who's despondent, who's feeling guilty, if you stay in what with good people, if you stay in the presence of God, if you stay in the word of God, your strength is going to come back. You're going to have a renewal. You're going to have a renaissance. Your, your vibrance is going to come back. If you don't stray away, if you don't quit God, if you stay with Christ, He's going to bring you through. Let me read Ephesians, the second chapter, verses four through seven. Ephesians, second chapter, verses four through seven. Ephesians, second chapter, verse four through seven. It says, but God, he is so rich in mercy. See, God is so rich in mercy. God is so rich in mercy. So even when you're dealing with circumstance, sometimes you need mercy. I want you to know the God we serve is rich in mercy. He's rich. He can pour out so much mercy on you that will change the destiny of your life. He's rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Fifth verse. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as he's shown in all he has done for us we who are united with Christ Jesus it simply means because of Christ God gave Christ for us and he gave it as a measure of love towards us God is rich in mercy everybody say rich in mercy and there are times in life you just need mercy See, and Christ gives us mercy when we're about to give up, when we're about to throw in the towel. And I want to encourage you to stay with Christ. Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. When you're going through the worst times of your life, when you're frustrated and disgusted, and you don't know what to do, stay with Christ. Christ comes to fulfill the will of the Father. Christ comes so we'll know what God is thinking while we're going through pain. Christ has come to reveal the heart of God when we don't know what to do. I want to read Genesis 35, 15 through 18, and then we'll pray. I want you to see something. God had given me the scripture to use a few days ago through our morning manner that we do every Monday and Wednesday on Facebook Live at 6 a.m. And I want to use it, and I want to pray right after this. Because while you're in pain, if you're not careful, you'll make a decision that ruins or delays a good future. Pain is nothing to joke with. Pain is nothing to joke with. There's people who have to take pills, medicine, prescriptions every day for pain. There are people who even take wrong things, go in wrong places. Hang with wrong people. Connect with wrong people because of pain. Pain is nothing to joke with. Pain will have you places you have no place in being. Pain will have you talking to people 
who are no good for you. Pain will have you sniffing meth and taking meth and cocaine and heroin and drugs. Pain, pain will have you with people who don't see the good in you. Pain, pain is something you gotta be careful of. Pain has to be managed. Pain has to be monitored. Pain, pain, pain is something that will make you quit on good things. Pain, pain becomes so unbearable that you'll throw all your good things away. Pain will blur your vision. Pain, pain, pain. Don't you recognize Sometimes when you're riding down the street and you see that mother or that father and they're looking for that drug dealer, what they call in the streets, the plug. They're looking for the plug. Don't you understand that maybe they got a story that brought them pain and you can't recognize everybody on the street is not unintelligent. Everybody on the street is not uneducated. Everybody on the street is not ungifted or not blessed. These are gifted people, but many of them are trapped in pain, trapped in something that happened in their childhood trapped that something that happened in their family and pain it's something that has to be managed and I'm real strong this morning the Lord wanted me to talk about pain and he is here to heal your pain Genesis 35 verse 15 through 18 it says and Jacob named the place Bethel which means the house of God because God has spoken to him there Jacob was going through pain. Those who know the story of Jacob, he has a story of betrayal with his brother Esau. And now in these verses above verse 15, Jacob is being reconciled with his brother Esau. He took his brother's birthright through trickery. And his brother had to go through some things because his brother also denied the blessing and denied the birthright. But Jacob being reconciled to his brother. And now he prays to God in the place of Bethel called the house of God. Verse 16, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on to Ephrath. But Rachel, his wife, went into labor while they were there, while they were some distance away, almost to Ephrath. And her labor pains were intense, intense labor pains. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you will have another son. Rachel was in so much pain giving birth. She's in so much pain. The midwife is there to coach her through her pain. When you're in the greatest days of your life of pain, you need somebody who functions as a midwife. A midwife was like an intercessor. A midwife is somebody who loves you and believes that you can produce good things. The midwife. The midwife comes in your pain and coaches you through it and pushes you through it and helps you do some things that you couldn't do to, for yourself because you're under so much pain. Uh, that midwife basically holds Rachel's hand and says, Rachel, push. Rachel, I know you're in pain, but Rachel, push. Good things are in you. Good 
things are coming out of this. I know this thing is painful, but, but Rachel, I'm telling you, there's a blessing in you. Rachel, you produce blessed things. Rachel, you are a blessed woman. A, a, a midwife has the ability to speak well to other people. Didn't I start off my message today that say I may not be talking to you, but I'm talking to you because you're going to have to help somebody else. And I feel it with every fiber of my being. If I'm not talking to you because you're in pain, I'm talking to you because God wants to use you to help someone else who's in pain. We need more people to get in the middle of the pain. We got enough people who can see people in pain and all they do is talk about she in pain. Don't you know she went through that? There's enough people who always looking down on people, always looking down on the plight of people, but we need some people who can jump in the middle of it and begin to declare there's goodness in you. There's greatness in you. You can overcome this. You can get out of this. We need midwives. We need midwives who understand that pain can bring forth beautiful things. And many of you have become midwives. Why? Because you've been through pain. And after your pain, God has turned it into joy. And now you should be able to help someone else. This midwife began to declare to Rachel, don't be afraid. You're going to have another son, Rachel. You're going to be able to do this. But Rachel was about to die. They say when a woman is in labor, it's one of the most crucial times of her life. Because while she's giving life, she's also on the verge of losing her own life. They say when mothers are having a, a baby, that time is very sensitive. That's why part of the solution, part of the solution, I said part of the solution uh, to pro-life and to fight against abortion is we got to start respecting those who push to give life. So when we lose the value, I know I did a swing on you, watch me. When we lose the value of those who carry seed and we start to demean them and put them down, treat them like trash, treat our, only our women like physical figures and we miss that they are the ones that carry life all through so that society, we miss it. We got to start valuing mothers who bring forth life. We got to start having a sensitivity to the plight of our women. Come on, we got to do more and I'm on this thing and I got some things coming this week and I'm already in it spiritually. Some people think the way that you handle abortion is to run out with a sign and just say God hates abortion. That don't help nobody with pain. I said that, I said that don't help no one with pain. You don't understand the circumstances and dilemmas that somebody is going through, the different decisions that go into their mind when they're contemplating abortion. Those who know the word of God, we know that the word of God, that abortion is not the things of God. We know that. But holding up a sign, telling them they're nasty, it's not a remedy. It's not a remedy. We got people call themselves in the body of Christ out there speaking ill against people while they're going through. You don't know why they're thinking about making that decision. You don't know what's going on. How about you become a midwife? How about you jump in their dilemma? How about you have an interview with them and find out what's going on in their life? How about you intercede and get involved in their pain? You don't know the calamity they're going through. You don't know that they maybe got five more children at the house to feed and they feel despondent about a 
another six months to feed. I'm not giving them excuse, but I'm making it real on the feelings that people have and the decisions that people have. We're not good enough just running around with signs, talk about God hates abortion, because the other side of the sign of God hates abortion is God forgives abortion as well. Not that you should use that as an excuse to sin, but the truth of the matter is, even if someone has had an abortion, that God God is a forgiving God. Didn't I tell you a few verses ago in Ephesians that God is rich in mercy? See, we're not getting the message right. We got getting the message right. I got his fingers full of me because I'm getting tired of people talking about they representing Christ and they have no compassion. They can't feel nothing. All they can do is quote scripture, but they can't feel nobody pain. Oh God, see, the greatest thing about Christ is that he can feel. He was holy, but he can feel. He was on the cross because he could feel. See, we don't need a redeemer that can't feel nothing. He could feel our sins. See, the greatest thing about Christ is he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. He can be touched by our pain. Come on. And we need some midwives. We need some churches that are full of compassion. Come on. We got to have the word and compassion of the things that people have been through and if we just take an inventory in this church alone we've done enough sin in our past that we should be some of the most merciful people in the earth I said we've done enough wrong and I'm not talking about wrong before Christ I'm talking about wrong after Christ I'm talking about no 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 I'm talking about AC I ain't talking about no BC I'm talking about AC not BC I'm talking about AC after Christ after knowing that he's a redeemer you still made some mistakes after knowing that he'll bring away out of no way still sinning stealing some things but he's rich in mercy can I get those people to get in the middle of somebody pain oh God she says Rachel's about to die listen to this but with her last breath listen to this Rachel's about to die with the last breath, she named the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. Rachel was in so much pain that all she could see is pain. She couldn't see no good out of this. She was at her weakest moment. She couldn't see no good out of this. Rachel was in pain, and she named her baby Sorrow. She named her son Depression. She named him oppression. See, if you're not careful, you'll name your, what, your, what you produce what you go through. If you're not careful, you'll start naming things based on how you're feeling. If you're not careful, that's why you need midwives. That's why you need prayer. That's why you need strength. That's why you need people who care for you. That's why you need the word of God. If you're not careful, you'll start naming. And imagine this, this, this kid coming into the earth and names mean everything. I said names mean everything. That's why you just can't wake up and name your, your, your kid Shadow. Because I just think Shadow is cute. See, we got to get beyond naming our children just stuff cute. I like cute. 
got 15 syllables in it and it takes a college degree to pronounce the child's name because it got so many, we don't even understand how to pronounce it. No, 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 no. You, you, gotta, you gotta understand that that baby has a purpose. And if you're not careful, you're gonna name that baby something that sends him on a course that he's gonna have to fight. Come on now. Come on now. You gotta find a name. See, I always tell the story of my beautiful daughter, Charity. In the midst of it, that's not, y'all know the story, I ain't gonna go through the whole thing. But I thought I was gonna have a son, and I was gonna name that son Samuel. And after the whole thing, I would like to tell this story, because people thought that after I found out that there was a girl, and I named her, we named her what it named her, uh, that, that we was gonna have another baby. Pastor Robin and I was gonna have another child, and named that child, who was a boy, Samuel, you know, something like that. Because Joshua came next, and when Joshua was born, they t- told me, oh, I know his name gonna be Samuel. I said, no, Samuel over with. Then when that season was gone, that's over with. People thought I was gonna be trying to revisit what didn't work right. See, some of y'all waste time trying to revisit what didn't work right. Something, just let it be, it was a mistake, and the blood cover it and move on with your life I dare not name Joshua Samuel Samuel is a good name that's fine but it captured a moment where I missed God it captured a moment where I thought my wife was having a boy and I wasn't trying to relive something that didn't work out some of you are trying to relive stuff that didn't work out and you just need to move on to better things and that next baby that came in her belly when we found out it was a boy I named him Joshua that's right and I put his middle name Joseph and not never no day have I tried to make my beautiful daughter charity Samuel never no day am I looking at her talking about I wish I had a boy first never no day she's a regret to what God has given us in our life never no day because some of us get all emotional and we start confusing people's love and relationships and all this kind of stuff because we start naming stuff according to our pain and I believe Pastor Robin named a charity her auntie jumped in that thing and named her Shanice Y'all pray for the girl. The girl got so many beautiful names. <laughs> Mama named the charity. Her auntie jumped in that thing. Named the Shanice. I said, wait a minute now. So poor, poor child. Had to get a third, a second middle name. I named the Victoria. Because I refuse to allow that moment in my life and even in her life to not be a place of victory. And I named that moment in my life, this is victory. I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to not be despondent. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by this. And I gave her the name Victoria. So it's Charity Shanice Victoria Davis, the whole legal name. That's the whole government name right there. And I said, look. Oh, it's Charity Victoria Shanice Davis. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. It's in there. All right. Charity Vic- Victoria. Come on. Shanice Davis. Glory to God. Thank you. Tell somebody she know her name. Rachel names her son after her circumstance. After her bitter moment. She, she's so blurred in vision. She names him Benoni. But tell somebody the father got a will. Say the father got a will. See, right when she about to make a mistake because of her pain, the father steps in, right? The father comes to fulfill the will. Christ came to fulfill the will of the father. All right? And the father says, however, we call him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or means son of my strength. And the father comes in and names the moment. 
This is important. The father says no, because of what you're going through, you can easily name this sorrow, pain, depression. But the father says no, according to my will, you're gaining strength. He says no, the father comes in and says no, his name will be Benjamin. It means son of my right hand, son of my strength. And I'm trying to share with you today, you don't have to name it what you're going through. You need to name it according to the purpose of God for your life. You don't have to name it how you're feeling, especially if you're feeling down. Christ is concerned about those who are in pain today. The 200 who had to be left by the brook of a sore. 200 people who were not ready to move on to victory. They were not ready. They were not ready. I remember a very vivid moment of my life as a pastor. It happened coming into year 2020. Coming into the year 2020. Here come 2020. And when 2020 came, 2020 came in, it's the year of vision. It's the year of double vision. But my honesty at coming into the year 2020 was, Lord, and I preached a message about it too. 2020 is here and I'm not ready. I remember I preached it. I say, everybody, think when certain things come, everybody's ready. But I had to be honest with you, I preached it on that Sunday. 2020 was here and I wasn't ready. I was still stuck in some things that happened in 2019. My emotions were still reeling, grieving over some circumstances. Grieving over some things I have faced as a pastor, as a leader. In many of your lives that I walk with you in a journey. I found out as a leader that many times as a leader, what I do so I can support you, and this is part of the strength that God has given me, I'm able to suppress the pain. I'm able to suppress and carry the weight so I can minister to you with full joy and full vision and full vigor. But I also found out that physicians need physicians, that doctors need doctors. What I mean that me, even though I administer a sense of support and comfort to people, I hadn't allowed myself to receive what I've given to everybody else. And when 2020 came, I was tired and I was exhausted. I was frustrated. The truth of the matter, that was a Sunday. I didn't want to preach at all. I told the Lord I didn't want to preach. I kept thinking about who I can get to preach. And the Lord just said, no, this is for you to preach. I said, Lord, I don't want to preach. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm grieving. I'm in pain. And so much went on in 2019. My emotions are still in 2019. That's why I teach this principle to you because God told me, you don't have to preach nowhere you're not. He said, I'll preach right where you are. And I came up and I preached, 2020 is here and I'm not ready. That's what I preached. I'm saying that today because I believe we're in the month of March. I believe globally God is trying to do some big things birthed in grace things but I got to recognize everybody's not ready and I want those who are dealing with pain discomfort, guilt I want you to know that we love you 
I want you to know that Christ loves you. I want you to know that the power of God is on you. I want you to know that God cares for you. I want you to know that God loves you. Can y'all play Jesus' answer? It's an old song. I don't know why I feel it. Old song. Play that. I'll play that. Thank you. At home, will you lift your hands? In the sage, will you lift your hands in the sign of prayer? The Holy Spirit just told me to slow down today. Because although we made an announcement that it's time to march forth, everybody is not ready. There are people dealing with real circumstances. There are people who are praying for their wife, praying for a family member, who are dealing with some real circumstances. And God wanted me to use this message as a sign that he knows as a sign that he cares as a sign that there is victory through this that you are valuable that you are worth being waited on that you're worth being waited on you're worth being served in your time of dilemma you're worth it because you know sometimes when people are going through they feel so guilty that people have to slow down and give them strength that's part of the reason they hide because they don't want to feel like they're a burden to anybody but can I tell you today we are here to carry your burden we're here yes it's heavy but we're carrying it with you and we don't want to do life without you we don't want to move on without you. You're worth it to us. I don't know who told you you wasn't worth being waited on. I don't know who told you you wasn't worth being prayed for. You know, everybody don't get it together overnight. Everybody don't get it together. Come to church one Sunday and it's all over. Some people need three months. Some people need two years. Some people need counseling. Some people need extra support. But I want you to know you're worth the support. You're worth being waited on. You're worth being served good news. We don't want your pain to take you out. We don't want your pain to make you vulnerable to the enemy and his devices. We don't want your pain to make you name your children, name your life, name your, your destiny after what you're going through. I'm encouraging you today to stay with Christ. He will bring you through this. He will bring you through this. He will bring you through this pain, through this grief, through this condemnation. And you will heal. I said you will heal. Healing may take time, but you will heal. But one of the ways you get healed, 
as you keep moving while he's healing you keep going to work while he's healing you you don't have to be fully healed to go back to work you don't have to be fully healed you may have to tell your boss supervisor if impossible some days I may need to leave a little early I don't have the strength right now to work a full schedule but if you got the relationship to do so you you can communicate and get the provision that you need because sometimes people will treat you just like you act if you act like you are not bothered they'll treat you like you're not bothered so sometimes you need to tell them i do need some help i do need some grace above him i need those at home while your hands lifted sing this song with us everybody come on jesus is stand even at home for the world rejected, guilty, frustrated, tired, bitter, angry. I want to pray for you. 
I want you to know there's mercy, there's grace. I want you to know there's forgiveness. I want you to know there's a second chance, there's hope. I want you to know that Christ loves you and Christ cares for you. I want you to know that. I want you to know that he's compassionate and he knows what you're dealing with. And we're praying for you right now. So Father, I pray for those who need you the most right now. Those who need direction. Those who need comfort and instruction. Those who need peace to help their mind. Father, I pray for that mother who can't sleep without medication. She don't want to be on that medication, but at this time she seems like she cannot get rest without medication. Father, I pray that you will give her peace, that you would return her to her zeal and to her strength and her vibrancy, that you will help her reconcile and help him reconcile, even men, even men. Last week I talked about men and the pain of men and even men who don't even know how to articulate how they feel. They went through the worst of the worst. Help that man today, Lord, who feel like he's far away from his potential. He's far away from where he wants to be. Help that man. Help that man today. Help that child today who's confused over their parent situation. Their mother and their father are not together. A divorce happened, a separation happened, and that child is confused. Their behavior has changed drastically. They become angry and bitter. Help that child. Help that child who's frustrated. Help that child who's closed in. Help that child today, Lord. Help them find an answer in you, Lord. Help them to find an answer in you, Lord. Cover them from wrong, wrong company. Wrong company. Parents today, I'm asking you to get close to your kids. And I'm just saying this at large, so that those who will specifically need to hear it will hear it. Parents hear me, especially parents whose kids are going through emotional pain. I see some things going on in relationships with parents and things and children. I'm feeling some things the Lord wants me to pray for. Because you don't want your child to go on the wrong path for help. You don't want your child to think they can't express their feelings. And what I'm saying is sometime again, when people start expressing their feelings, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes somebody heard the wrong information from somebody else and it's not true. And sometimes it's really hard to convince somebody of a lie when they felt it was the truth. Sometimes, but with patience, their emotions will unwind. With patience, tenderness. I'm telling you, when people believe a lie as true, it takes time for them to unravel that this is not true and unravel their emotions. And I feel like Christ wants to help with some difficult situations today and different difficult family circumstances today. And we're praying for you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sing, Jesus is the way. We 
love you. We're praying for you. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Also need to pray for those who need to accept Christ in your life. If you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to pray for you. That you accept Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Today is your day. Today is your day to accept Christ. I want you to lift your hand right there in your home and say, Christ, Jesus, I am here. I'm a sinner, but I want to be born again. I believe you died for me on the cross, and I want you to cleanse me of sin. I accept your blood and your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary as the atonement of my sins. And I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. I accept you as King of my life, Redeemer of my life. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, forgive me. I am born again by the confession of my faith. And if you are there listening to me and you have just accepted Christ, I want you to do something. I want you to dial 84576 and text born again. That way our team will be able to reach out to you, greet you, pray with you, and welcome you into the body of Christ. The number is 84576, 84576, and text one word, born again. If you've just went through that prayer of confession, I want you to do it. Text born again, born again, born again, 84576, 84576. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.